listening to 30 on Broadway, Talking Blue Shirts, on the Face Off Hockey Network. started off with that i had to it's only fitting been a long time Whew. all right hi we're uh in the middle of the game and it has been ryan reeves can confirm eats penguins yeah he just laid another one was that chris letang that he just laid out they don't let him into zoos because they're afraid of what he might do to the penguin exhibit so, all right, the playoffs have started. Oh, he just hit Crosby. <laughs> he's hitting everybody. I think he's got like ten hits in the first freaking period. Pretty much, um, if you're if you're wearing a white jersey, you are not safe from Ryan Reeves. You have been marked for death if you are wearing a white jersey. I also, mean, I feel really bad for Marcus Pedersen. I don't generally <laughs> feel bad for Penguins, but Reeves' hit on Pedersen. Was just oh, Smith. God. It was. It was clear. Oh, what? Okay. Here, mark this down. May third, two thousand twenty-two, at seven forty p.m. I just gave Patrick Nemeth credit for a very nice hit along the boards. That well, was well, yeah. It made beautiful. up for the. It made up for the dumb penalty that he took earlier. True. Oh, which, gave, which gave Pittsburgh. What? Oh. Which gave Pittsburgh a little bit of life. So. All right. Hey, everybody. The playoffs are here. They're underway right now as we speak. So if we start freaking out, sorry in advance. Jay Khan from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio is going to be jumping in in about five minutes or so. Um, obviously, the, games has, the game at the Garden has started. Uh, we're about, about to wrap up the first period in what has been largely – an incredibly dominating period by the Rangers, physically um, and on the ice. Like, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's been outside of the penalty by Nemeth, Pittsburgh has had almost no life in this first period. And the only reason that this game is one nothing right now is because Casey of Casey Smith, Smith yep. who has played out of his mind so far out of the gate. But how long will that stand? You know, I, I said this before. This game reminds me of us being at the Ottawa game where Forsberg was standing on his head and then the dam opened and it opened <laughs> where it was the rate. It seemed like the, for 60 minutes, the Rangers just play keep away. Yeah. I mean, this, this has been really, this has been just about as good. All that you could have asked for. If you're Gerard Gallant to start this postseason. this is exactly what you were, you were hoping for outside of. Yeah. You'd like to maybe have a couple a couple more in the net here, but hell, one nothing, and you're really giving Pittsburgh about nothing on its own. 
Yeah. This has been solid. So before we get with Jake, because I know we're going to talk about the Rangers, I, I got to mention yesterday's games to open up the Stanley Cup playoffs in general were Uh-oh. nuts. Oh, God. I hope Raquel's okay. That was not a Ooh. dirty hit by Fox. Fox was not trying to be – that was just – it was a stupid play, but – Oof. Oh, it wasn't Raquel that Fox hit. It was Gensel. Oh, there are two Penguins no, down. Raquel's down. Yeah, and so is Gensel on the far side of the ice. The near side – What happened to Gensel? Fox hit Gensel in the back. Like, Gensel was turning and – Oh! Oh, Lindgren. Holy hell, what a hit on Raquel. Well, he definitely no, was it Fox on... with the hit on Raquel? No, Fox hit Gensel. Uh, well, I just went to commercial break, so I can't see it. And so. Lindgren All right. absolutely. We'll get the. Uh... And body and Lindgren bodied Raquel. Well, that's been one thing that that was the theme of yesterday's opener was the physicality was. Look, the playoffs are physical in general. We know that. But the um the aggressiveness that has been um the, the aggressiveness of especially Tampa Toronto was wild i mean you don't usually see like practical brawls it wasn't a full blown brawl but it was a, it was a good dust up it was a bit it was more than your typical like after the whistle shoving the punches being thrown in the playoffs you know after the whistle nonsense that game was just nasty. And I don't wow, know if they it gave had... Lingren a major. And, and well, well, we'll see. That that gets reviewed, doesn't it? Yeah. So we'll see if that we'll see if that uh if that stands. But um yeah, I mean the games have been nasty. I mean, really nasty. And this one is picked right up. First, first game. I mean, Washington and uh, Washington and uh, who's Washington playing? I forgot. Florida. They're, Florida. They're getting ready to go, so we'll see what happens there. But as of I, right now, that's that's not a major. Arms tucked. He's trying to go through his shoulder. How is that a major? He hits him in the He's shoulder. Trying. He's well. He's trying to go through his chest. I, I, I don't think that should be a major, a penalty. Definitely, I five in a game, and they they reversed it. They didn't give him five in a game because Lingard's sitting in the box. No, I was gonna say he hit him. I mean, it was a hard hit, but I don't even. What did they What did they change the call to? Because I know I'm on a little bit of a delay. They changed it to roughing. I mean, why Why is it even roughing? I mean. It's a solid hit along the boards. That's a tough one. That was actually, if you want me to be honest, Nick, the Fox play was more dangerous than the 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 Fox play. I would have, I, I, if Fox got a major for what he did, I, I would have been okay. I can see that. I mean, at least Gensel's back out there. But I mean, look, at the end of the day, you don't want to see people get uh, players get hurt. At the end of the day, yeah, no, you I, want the hard, I, yeah. you want the hard play and whatnot. But the biggest thing is, if you're the Rangers, you stay out of the box. 
I know the Penguins' power play hasn't been good this year. It hasn't been its typical dynamic self. Um, but you wanna you wanna stay, you don't want to poke the bear. You don't want to give the opportunity. You saw what happened when the Rangers got their power play opportunity. One of the best teams in the NHL. This is what you'll see happen. Um, but so far, first period wrapped up. I mean, damn. It's been exciting. It has been great to have hockey back, playoff hockey back at the Garden. First time, long time, since 2015, because we're not counting the play-in. And it wasn't, they were on the bubble anyway. But this has been flat-out awesome. I don't know about you, but I have been, outside of two penalties, this this has been been a great great period. This has been great. I, I will say the Rangers need to be a little bit more in check with their physicality. Because now, especially after that lingering save by Igor, especially after that lingering hit, refs yeah, whistles, be careful. Refs are going to be a little be bit more are going to be a little bit more eager to blow the whistle. So, yep. no, I agree. And I, I will say, lingering definitely got lucky. I I don't think, like I said, I don't think it was a major. Definitely a penalty. I I I would definitely be okay with a penalty on that, but. Not a major, but he's got to be—he's got to be, he's gotta be what careful. What saved by Igor? That was—that hit definitely was a little bit high, for sure, for my liking. Playoffs. Uh, yeah, I get it. it's the playoffs, but that one—that one's a little too close for comfort. Yeah, I think the message in the locker room here is: keep doing what you're doing, tighten it up a little bit with the fist. Don't don't get over. Yeah. You know, do what Revo's doing. Run the Penguins over, but keep everything down. Keep everything tight. All right. We got Jake Hahn joining us right now. Perfect timing, right on the intermission, how we planned it. we Nick couldn't have drawn it up better. Nick was the one that gave the time. So we're going to do that, and we hope you enjoy Jake from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. All right, everybody, Jake Hahn joining us again from SiriusXM NHL Network Radio. He's been on our podcast a bunch of times. Uh, always, always awesome to have him on, Jake. Thanks for joining us in, in the right off the gate from with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Great to be with you, boys. And it is the best time of the year. And I'm sure you guys are, are more fired up than you have been the last few years. You actually get some Rangers playoff hockey. Not only do you get Rangers playoff hockey, but you got a really good team to watch. So uh, it's exciting. I'm excited for you guys. And I'm I'm enjoying watching uh, Rangers hockey this year and, and interested to see how far they can take this thing into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I, I like This is I, I forgot today being at work and yes. Andrew Cop, let's go. Two nothing. All right. It's all it took. We're all, we're off and running already. Yeah, right. I'm I'm a big Andrew Cop guy. Huge Andrew Cop guy. That was it, a beauty. It, it's funny enough too because last year, you know, as the season was winding down, we knew the Rangers weren't making the playoffs. I was writing some stuff for the site, and I said to Chris, "I'm like, we need a major bottom six adjustment, like." You know, because I wasn't convinced at that point that Phil Needle could be a, a, a third-line center. And I had said, because I, I had been watching some Winnipeg games, and I was like, you know, Andrew Kopp's going to be going into the final year of his deal next year. He's been a good bottom six guy for Winnipeg. And I'm like, you know, the Rangers have a little bit of talent down there. Put him there. 
lengthens the lineup. He can play penalty kill. He can do a lot of, you know, a lot of good things. And I saw how versatile he was. And then as all the rumors were picking up this year, I was like, oh, my God, please get him because he'll fit right in. And I didn't envision him playing on the second line with Panarin and Strom. But, oh, my God, Revo. Um, him being on that second line now with Panarin and Strom has just been insane. And it's almost – Artemi Panarin kind of has a Sidney Crosby quality to him, I think. He takes guys that you wouldn't think of and just – has them outplay what their actual ceiling is. Like, I mean, how many people really remember Pascal Dupuis before he got to Pittsburgh? Not many. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like, Kyle, I feel like Panarin has done the same thing, not only for Ryan yeah. Strop, Ryan Strom, but for Andrew Kopp now. Yeah, I and I, I'm loving that line, and uh, just on that cop goal too. Strom makes a nice pass from behind the net to to set him up, and you know Strom stuck on the first power play unit as well. We did see Cop get some time on the first unit when Strom was out as well, so it's nice to see him get some power play time. But I think you're bang on with what you said about Cop and his time with the Winnipeg Jets. And I watched Winnipeg closely all year. I actually had pretty high expectations for the Jets this year. They certainly didn't meet yeah. those expectations. To me, they were one of the more disappointing teams in terms of what they put on paper and what I actually saw on the ice but one of the reasons why I like them so much was guys like Andrew Kopp in the lineup that I thought were still relatively unknown and could play sort of that sandpaper role but could also score and could also create offense that aren't just strictly a bottom six player so I think the key to what you said there is the versatility of Andrew Kopp like right now he's in a second line role he's playing more of a scoring role but in future years whatever does happen with him if he does stick around with the Rangers he's somebody I think you're comfortable with moving up and down the lineup and he's that type of guy that I would want on my team uh, come playoff time and here we are talking during game one he's already got a goal on the board it's it's not surprising to see him having an impact in the playoffs he feels like a, a playoff type guy for me oh yeah like to me i i almost feel like and chris you you could probably tell me if i'm wrong here you know since you and i are both lifelong ranger fans andrew cop kind of feels like a better version offensively of jesper faust right yeah i that's yeah with the versatility for sure i mean yeah more offensive upside He's got a beautiful wrist shot from in deep. Yeah. And, and even that play there, I mean, that was a beautiful goal. And, and there is the guy who should have won the Hart Trophy. You know, well, could still win it, but could I, I oh, damn it. Cancel. Thanks. Thanks. No, Igor made a great <laughs> save on Latang on a, on a, on a, uh, on a one timer, but he got beat by Gensel. I don't know who that was. Oh, that just lost him on the back door, but it was true, but, I, I just left him wide open. I just, my, I, re- I really want Andrew Cobb re-signed over Ryan Strom. I've reached that point. And that's not because I don't like Strom. I, I, I really like Ryan Strom. I just, my hope for him was we get him at the Edmonton Ryan Nugent Hopkins contract. And I just don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Would you be comfortable with Cobb? playing a, a center role like if you're comfortable moving on from Strom you want to sign Cop because we've seen Cop play both the center center and wing would you be cool with him playing second line center or would you look at him as more of a, a winger still I, I I like him more actually as a center because I just think he's yeah. more defensively responsible than Strom is and I think that's a big part especially playing with Panarin because you know look it's not a knock on Panarin but the guy is he he is what he is he's an offensive dynamic threat 
And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but you definitely need somebody to balance that out. And usually, you know, that would be the centerman. So I, for me, I, I have more of a comfort level at center than I do at wing. Yeah, and, and watching Jets games too this year, at least in the first half of the season when Cop was there, a lot of times when they needed a big face-off, it felt like Cop was out there. So I think he's probably comfortable at center. I feel like they certainly liked him there at center, and it's just the way that the Rangers lineup has shaked out that when everybody's healthy, he's going to play the wing. But I'm, I'm with you. I think that he's better off down the middle because of that two-way game that he does display, and I think everybody else would kind of just fall in line. I, I feel like Panarin's the perfect complement to him because of what you said, the fact that Panarin can really drive things offensively. We know how skilled he is, how much space he can create for some of these guys that all they need to do is get a little space and get a shot off, and guys like Kopp can can worry a little bit more about the two-way game. Yeah, and like it's funny that you brought that up that Winnipeg used him for like big draws late in games. Gerard Gallant, when when cops been out on the ice, say with about two 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 and a half minutes left on a defensive or offensive zone draw, he'll put Andrew Cop in the dot instead of Ryan Strom. So that's something I've noticed here too that Gallant definitely trusts his faceoff ability over uh, a Ryan Strom, which a lot of fans for some reason I don't know why, but they they underrate that part of the game because everybody, you know, it goes back to puck possession and, and I get all that, but I always come back to what's the easiest way to get puck possession initially win the face off. <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think it's, it's just an interesting point because a lot's been made ever since, you know, analytics has come to the forefront and there's been a lot more numbers and, you know, analyzing the game in a different way. There's been a lot of people out there that say face-offs aren't technically important. And I think what gets lost in that is you're looking at either the big picture or the small term picture. Sure, if you look at a big picture of an 82 game season, faceoffs might not look all that important. There might be a team that's no good at faceoffs that actually ends up winning a lot of games. But for me, it's small picture when it comes to faceoffs. Each and every faceoff is individually important within a game and can create a goal or can prevent a goal if it's a defensive zone draw. So I think that's what gets mostly lost in that conversation between you know analytics people saying that faceoffs aren't important and the old school people saying they are important. I think they absolutely are important and I think that when analytics people are saying that they're not important they're just strictly looking at the big picture and not actually looking how important these single draws are in in, within a hockey game oh without a doubt because it's like I it it sounds so corny but I I go back to it all the time the you know the Rangers winning the 94 Stanley Cup a lot of people don't remember how that game ended it ended on Craig McTavish winning a draw against uh, for Pac when he put Pavel Bure in the dot against them to try and get a shot off because there was so little time left. But it ended with McTavish winning the puck back into the corner and the Rangers keeping it right on the boards and, you know, then the celebration. But it's like it, the game ended because of a defensive zone draw. Now who's to say Bure gets a quick shot right off the draw, it goes in, and we go to overtime. Then what? You know, it's like – yeah. Something like that, I don't think a lot of people really remember or put stock into, but it's like, I I have loved what Cop has brought to the table, but I think my single favorite addition outside of Andrew Cop at the deadline, Frank Vitrano. And Frank I know, TV. I mean, I love him. I, I absolutely love the guy. He's quick, and he's got a hell of a shot. He's a lot better than what I, I remember him being on Florida and Boston, for that matter, like... I've watched him for a little bit throughout his career, and I've never realized he's actually this good and what he can do to make a line successful. 
he is a player to me that I've always had a, a keen eye for. And even watching him come through the American Hockey League, I believe he had a 30 plus goal season one year in, in Providence in the American Hockey League. And I remember thinking like, this guy can score. If you put him with the right guys, he's got that shot. I think the problem with him throughout most of his career at a couple of those stops that you mentioned is he always found himself in like a third or fourth line role. And I'm thinking, okay, a guy with that kind of shot, a guy with that kind of offensive ability how big of an impact is he going to be able to have on a game playing nine or 10 minutes and maybe getting a couple of good offensive looks throughout the course of a game? I think he's a player to thrive. He has to be in a top six role. I, I really think that he has to play with good players. He has to be able to get offensive opportunities. That's where you're going to get the best out of Frank Vetrano. Putting Vetrano on your fourth line and playing him eight minutes in a sort of a defensive role, you're not going to get the best out of this guy. And I think not only did the Rangers make a good trade in finding that value, but I think they're utilizing him in the best way possible and, and you're seeing the results here oh uh, yeah, yeah and that was sure. yeah and that was one of the things that we talked about when they made the trade for him and i mentioned to nick i was like watch they'll stick him in the top six he's got yeah. the speed i mean his speed is is incredible um his shot ability and he's and he's not afraid to get dirty either he's not afraid to, to rough it up if he has to and it's been i i think you know What's your thoughts overall on the deadline for, for the Rangers? I mean, they made quite a few moves. What, what are your thoughts overall? Well, when we did our winners and losers after the deadline, so this isn't revisionist, but when we did them, I, my main winner was the New York Rangers because, and I think a lot of it had to do with Cop. I'm just a big Andrew Cop fan. So wherever he was going to go, I was probably going to like what that team did. And then when I saw it was the Rangers, I thought, man, that's a perfect match for him. And the fact that I didn't think they really gave up a whole lot for Andrew Cop as well. I thought that he would fetch a little bit of a bigger return. So I thought they did really well there. And a guy like Vetrano to me was one of those sneaky names that happened a little bit before the deadline. Maybe People forgot about it a little bit. And I, I thought, depending on how they utilize him, that one could really pay off. So I thought they checked a couple of boxes. I, I don't think they really needed to mess with the blue line too much when it's fully healthy. I like what they have back there. We know what they have between the pipes. They were certainly not going to be in a market for a goaltender. So really, you look at a, a couple guys that you can instantly throw into your top six in Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano. I think that's about as good as any of the other contending teams did at the deadline. And, and with what they gave up on the other side, I, I think that they clearly won the deadline to me. It's funny because I remember we, we had you on towards the beginning of the year and we we were discussing, you know, we were looking towards the deadline and you you had said that, you know, you're not a fan of the, the big splashy kind of yeah. in-season moves. And I, I definitely agreed with your, with your rationale on it too because, you know, when you bring in a, a big name that you have to rejuggle your lineup and reconstitute things, take a guy off the power play to give feed him time, and, you know, it could upset the room a little bit. And then the Rangers did exactly what I didn't think they would ever do. I, I thought Drury was going to go big game hunting. And, I, and I've been shocked for the most part. I was shocked for the most part that he didn't. But he got two guys that I really liked in Tyler Mott and, and Andrew Cobb. And it was, he went and he solidified and rounded out the roster and he didn't get guys that are going to shake up your room. If anything, he brought in guys that are more character guys who are, Hey, I'm just here. I'm looking to help the team win. I don't care where you put me. You want me third line. I'm a third line. You want me second power play unit, first penalty kill. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm just here to help the team. And I thought that was the best way to go about it because you see that it wasn't like, oh, I'm going for the superstar because it's the big, sexy name and 
because that's usually the Ranger way of thinking of, ooh, look, Jack Eichel, got to go get him. And that wasn't a move I was necessarily interested in. I, I thought Drury's plan of attack was perfect. To go get some complimentary pieces that could just sort of fit in, right, and aren't going to, to hog a lot of the oxygen or anything like that. So I'm totally with you, and I think that, that those are the kind of deadline moves that I like, and that's why I called them a winner when it was all said and done, just because I don't think they needed to go out and shake things up. Like, they, you got a good thing going. You don't want to mess with it too much. If you can get a couple little pieces, tinker with it a little bit, that's enough for me. Those are always the deadlines that I really like. I got a question for you guys, though, because when, I, when I've come on before, we've kind of slowly been watching this Rangers team get better and better. I'm curious where the expectations are for Rangers fans like yourself. Like, how have, how have the expectations changed from the start of the season when we're just hoping, let's take the step, let's make the playoffs. Now you're here, you've got this great team, you've got a Vesna caliber goaltender, a guy that just won the Norris Trophy, you know, someone that in a good year could contend for the Hart Trophy and Artemi Panarin. So all the pieces are there. Have the expectations dramatically changed from, from the start of the season? Chris, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, I no, I think so because I I think it also it also goes into how the conference is shaken up. Um, I I look at the conference right now and outside of Tampa, I don't think there's a team in the playoffs that can go toe to toe with us in goaltending. I think that's a big piece of it, and I think what Drury did at the deadline, this team can go as far as it it can. I I don't I don't see where this team has to steal around. Um, I think this one, they should get past Pittsburgh. I think it's a five or six game series, six at the most. Um, but I think the chips can fall to where if it push comes to shove, I like this team going up against anybody. Really, I, I really do. So I think in some ways, yeah, the expectations have gone from if the Rangers can get into the playoffs and win around, that'll be great. To me, it's I want to see how much damage this team can do. And can this team go on a run? And they're certainly built, in my opinion. I think they're built for it. I look at this. This year for me was always about taking that next step, making the playoffs. Especially when you go out, you fire David Quinn, you bring in Gerard Gallant. That, to me, signals from the front office standpoint, okay, we we believe we're better than where we've been at, so we want to make the playoffs. So making the playoffs for me was always – that was the first goal. And then pre-deadline, I didn't think that this was a team that could really do damage or compete unless Igor Shesterkin becomes Henrik Lundqvist, Ken Dryden, Dominic Hasek, and Patrick Waugh all rolled into one and just decides I'm going to steal, you know, seven, eight games by myself. So because I, I just thought the Rangers were too top-heavy and they didn't have enough depth. Coming out of the deadline – now, when I see what this team has done, and I see, I know what Shesterkin is, I know what we have in Fox, Keandre Miller's taken a huge step down the stretch, Jacob Trouba has become a real anchor on that second pair, I mean, Heedle with Lafreniere and a healthy Kako, well, Heedle just with Lafreniere has taken a huge jump in his game. So now, I've definitely raised the bar to where, okay, I definitely believe making the playoffs is good. You have to beat Pittsburgh, in my opinion, because I, I just believe on paper, as a matchup, we're better than Pittsburgh. So, but I also look at it from the scope of, this is still house money this year. We weren't, nobody thought we were a 100-point team this year. I thought we were a playoff team, but I thought 95 points at best. So, 
I think you win this round against Pittsburgh and then all bets are off. Whatever they do after that is gravy to me. I just don't think if you come up against Carolina in the second round, that would scare the hell out of me. I don't want to play the Canes. They're the one team who, even more than Tampa Bay, because I think the Rangers can play the style that Tampa wants to play. Tampa, of course, can play it better. In all due respect, they are the two-time defending cup champs for a reason. But I also think they got to run out of steam at some point, right? They're like they're 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 not the '80s Islanders here. I I, I don't think. But I just win the first round. Don't get embarrassed in the second round if you play Carolina. If you show you can go toe to toe with Carolina in six or seven games, that's good enough for me. And then you have to go back in the offseason and improve on the foundation. I, and I don't think there's a team in the Eastern Conference, and I think Chris sort of touched on this a little bit too, that truly scares this Rangers team. Like, I think when you put them up, sure, you can make a case that a couple teams are slightly better or maybe they're a little bit more proven in other areas. I think when you look at Tampa, obviously they've proven it over the last couple of playoff runs that they can get this thing done and they can win 16 games in the spring, which is never easy to do for anybody at Carolina. They've been there a few more times. They haven't actually won the cup, but they've won some rounds and they've been a consistent team for the most part over the fa- over the past few years. I still think a team like Florida is unproven. Like they're they're going to play Washington in the first round. I think they should get that done, and then they they hook either a Tampa or a Toronto in the second round. I still need Florida to prove it to me in the playoffs. As great as of a regular season as they as they had, I still need to see how it translates over to the playoffs for me. So I think that the list of teams that are truly better than the Rangers in the Eastern Conference is a very very short list. And if they take care of their business here against Pittsburgh, which I believe I believe they did, I predicted a short series here and an easy win for the Rangers. If they take care of this business, and I do think it's probably going to be the Canes in the second round. I think that's going to be one hell of a series if that's the way it plays out. And that, to me, that series is, that's one cup contenders going home in that series. Yeah. Because yeah. the Rangers might be a, might not be a battleship cup contender, but they're definitely a fringe. Pretty close. Yeah. Like, they're, they're not too far off. Yeah, and when you look at the odds market, and we always talk odds on our show, you know, if you if you believe in the odds and, and sort of what they tell you, yes, they're not in that top tier battleship range that you referenced. They're not with the Colorados and the Floridas and Calgary's up there as well. You know, even Tampa to an extent, although they had a little bit of a dip in the odds market based on how they played the last month of the season. But the Rangers are right there in that next tier. And honestly, out of that next tier of teams, them and St. Louis were the two teams I was really looking at that could make a run. Like I, I just love the way that the Blues played in the second half of the season and they carried it over into game one against Minnesota the other night but the Rangers were a team I was looking at with their side of the bracket and a favorable matchup against Pittsburgh if they can win this series get a little bit of momentum going I think they've got all the pieces to to get it done and I from a personal standpoint obviously I would love it for you guys as Rangers fans and I like talking to you guys but Gerard Gallant behind the bench I, I think he deserves a nice run he has he hasn't really uh, been able to get a fair shake throughout the NHL. He's had a couple of tough breaks and, you know, fired, I think, wrongfully a couple of times. So to have this good Rangers team and go on a nice run, I think from from a personal standpoint, would be nice for, for Gerard Gallant, who seems like one of the good guys in the league. Oh, without a doubt. I, I'm a little annoyed right now because Sidney Crosby is reminding everybody why he's Sidney Crosby. What a pass to Gensel. That was a hell of a shot. Uh, I hate – I this is, this is the part about – Playoff hockey, hockey, baby. I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's never easy. No lead is safe, and you're never really out of it. Five years so, of 
no stress. You know, I kind of missed that part of it, but yeah, right. <laughs> this, is, this is good stress, though. I like this stress. Yeah, you'd rather uh, you'd rather this than looking forward to the draft lottery, right? It's much, oh, this yeah. is much better. Oh yeah. yeah, oh for sure, without a doubt. So with with that said, to to wrap up here, what's your thoughts so far on on game ones from yesterday? It was pretty wild, especially Tampa Toronto. Yeah, I think that was the most surprising result for me in terms of how the game actually played. Like, not that Toronto won. I'm not shocked that they won a home game against Tampa Bay and they came out and they tried to send a bit of a message and they looked really fast. Uh, Tampa Bay had a five minute power play after Kyle Clifford, you know, hit someone from behind. Um, it hits Ross Holder from behind. Yeah, so he puts them puts them down shorthanded. I remember I'm watching it and I'm thinking, okay, if the Leafs just allow one goal on this five minute power play, they'll be down one nothing. There's still tons of game left. They'll be just fine. And they dominated the penalty kill. Like they had more chances <laughs> on the PK than Tampa Bay had chances on their power play. So, and that's something that the Leafs have been so good at all season is generating chances on the penalty kill. And I think Tampa Bay was just way too casual, and Toronto took full advantage of that. They scored a shorthanded goal. I think they probably could have scored like three or four more. So that. That one surprised me, just the lack of pushback from the Lightning. I thought that there would be some kind of pushback in the second and third period, and they just kind of folded and went away. So I don't expect that to be the Lightning team we see the rest of the series. I think they're going to adjust. They're going to be much better going into game two. Not surprised by what we saw in St. Louis and Minnesota. I just think St. Louis is such a deep team. I I really do think they're capable of going all the way this year with the parts that they have. If they can stay healthy and continue to get solid goaltending, I really like what I, I saw from St. Louis. I thought Boston gave a good account of themselves uh, against the Canes. They ran into a pretty good Auntie Ranta in the first period, and the Canes did enough to win that game. And watch out for those pesky LA Kings. I, I do think they're going to surprise some people this year. I don't think they're going to win the cup. I think we're pro- they'll probably be going a little bit too far. But in terms of this first round series against the Oilers, I picked them to win it in seven games, and I, I wasn't shocked by what I saw last night from the LA Kings. I think they're very legit, and they can go toe-to-toe with the Oilers in this series. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, and it's funny, you and I, we, we both, we had L.A. as one of our playoff teams before the year. Yeah. We, we like the makeup of the L.A. Kings. And Still the no man. Still the no is a stud. He's every so good. So good. Um, I, I just, I was watching last night, I, that play by Mike Smith behind the net, especially <laughs> when, when you watch the freeze frame of it. And you freeze it and you flip it and you look from the blue line in. He had a clear outlet behind, right around the boards, and he goes up the middle of the ice. I was like, I'm like, if that just doesn't sum up Mike Smith in a nutshell, I don't know what will. Like that, that to me was just so insane watching. That, that was a true $5 hot and ready right up the middle. Like that was just, <laughs> it was too easy right on the stick. I think it was I follow that picked it off and he actually doesn't finish. Like he comes back, he makes the first save, but he does he's not able to get set in time to yep. make the second save. And, and the goal ends up going in and he had an outlet, not only on his left side, but he had an outlet on his right side. He went, okay, that's not good enough. I got to play hero ball. I'm going up the middle. Like to me, that is just insane. The risk reward factor there. What's the reward of completing that pass? You get it to the neutral zone and maybe you get some kind of half chance out of it and the risk is you give up a goal in a tie game in a playoff game with like five minutes left so uh he owned it after the game as he should but that's something we've seen mike smith do many times before and it just feels like at this point he's he's never going to learn he gets that black biscuit on his stick and he wants to he wants to make a pass so bad he thinks yep. he's a defenseman i just I, I i keep watching i i i'm rooting for chaos i want edmonton to lose just because i want mcdavid <laughs> to get mad and That's I want evil. McDavid to force his way out. I just 
I, I just I I am an agent of chaos. I really am, and I so badly want Connor McDavid to force his way out of Edmonton. I just with Ken Holland deciding to run it back with with Mike Smith and Koskinen, I just think to me that that is that is absolutely front office malpractice. You have two of the best players in the world up front. Darnell Nurse could be in the Norris conversation. And it's like, you have foundational pieces here. Jesse Pugliarvi has found himself. Like, you have a really good, you know, you have a quality depth centerman in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They're good. Zach Hyman is, is great on the wing with, you know, yeah. with, like, you have so many good pieces. And you sit there and go, yeah, goaltending's not our issue. We don't need to upgrade there. Like, what what are we do- like? Just what are we doing? It it seems like we're just doing this dance over and over again with the Oilers. But th- this is a series. Even though you and I both like the Kings going into the season, I picked the Kings to win this series against the Oilers as well. They have to win this series. Like they they really do. It's they have home ice advantage. They're facing a Kings team that basically doesn't have a blue line. That lost Drew Doughty. That lost a lot of other pieces back there on the blue line. It's right there for the Oilers to get this thing done. So you're not going to ask for a much better opportunity than this outside of maybe last year when they were in the Canadian division and they couldn't get it done that year either they couldn't take advantage of a weaker Canadian division so I don't know where they go from here and I do think there's going to be some upset players I know you mentioned McDavid I'd keep an eye on Dreisaitl if they get bounced in the first round I think he might be somebody that gets a little bit unhappy as well and maybe wants to look somewhere else so keep an eye on the Oilers in the offseason if they do lose this series I think you will get that chaos that you want Nick Oh, well, I, and for me, from, from a personal standpoint, I'll just love it if they lose and they send the Rangers a second-round pick for Alexander Georgiev. You, you guys you can have – like, he can go to Alberta. He can have oh, lots man. of fun in Alberta. Okay. He'll solve, he'll solve oh, all the problems. There you go. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you uh, two, two more before you go. Um, yeah. One real quick. For me, is is the Edmonton LA loss is that more debilitating for a team in your opinion than getting the barns blown off of you in a playoff game? Like, do you? I do. And you say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that that one's tougher to put behind you. Like when we looked at that, we I, we talked about the Tampa Bay Toronto game and how flat Tampa looked and the fact that they yeah. just got dominated. I think that one's easy to crumple up for the Lightning. Like they can just go, eh, we lost. We've lost playoff games before. Let's regroup. Let's be better for the next game. I think when you have a game like that late and you give it up on a gaffe like that, it can stick in your mind a little bit, especially if you're Mike Smith, the one who made the gaffe. And you're thinking, man, like we really should have won that game. We just gave up home ice advantage. So I do think they're going to do their best to forget about it because that's all you can really do. Like that's all they'll say in their post games is, hey, we're moving on to game two. We're focusing on game two. We're not going to dwell on game one. And that is the smart way to play. You can't dwell on it because it is supposed to be a long series and you can't, you know, sit there and think about a mistake that you made in game number one. But I do think that those are tougher to put behind you than like a blowout loss where you just clearly weren't the better team. Yeah, for sure. That's how I always kind of had that mindset of if you get the barns blown off, you just say, yeah, you know what? We, we sucked from head to toe. Yeah, we, we know what the problem was. But if you lose like a triple overtime game or something where it's just a backbreaker or a heartbreaker, you're kind of like, oh, man, like now that kind of burns you a bit more. I so, got to tell you, I love that you just went full Tortorella and then <laughs> on the on the 10 year anniversary, 
of Gabrick scoring the triple overtime winner against the Caps in the playoffs. <laughs> you mentioned the triple OT loss. I don't know if you did that on purpose. I did not. That, I did not. That Maybe was that, was sub- that was subconscious. But all right, if you got to pick, I know you got the Kings for the Western Conference. If you got to pick an upset, what's your upset pick coming out of the East for, for the first round? Upset for the East, so trying to think about the odds. I'm not I'm not going to take Washington to upset Florida, although I do think Washington is going to give them a better series than people are giving uh, the Caps credit for. Like, I think people are looking at the Caps as this team that barely squeaked in, and they were, they are technically the last wildcard team, but they were a 100-point team this year. Like, it's not like there's some bad team uh, that squeaked in. So I, I think the Caps will win a couple games here against the Panthers. I, I think that they are going to push that series. So I guess that's as close uh, to an upset as I'm going to go because I think it's going to be pretty chalky across the board. Technically, Tampa would be an upset over Toronto in, in terms of the odds. They were slight underdogs coming into that series. I still think Tampa Bay is going to be heard from in this series. I don't think every game is going to go the way that the game one did where the Maple Leafs just dominated them. Vasilevsky is a factor. I don't think Jack Campbell was really tested by Tampa in that game one either. So I think I would look out for Tampa to, to rally in that series and, and make something of it. Yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay kind of played in the Toronto's hand a little bit. I thought they were forcing passes left and right last night. Like it, it just, that was not the Tampa Bay lightning that I've seen the last, you know, this past season and the last couple of years, they just, they just look like they were trying they were forcing everything. Oh, baby. Oh, there you go. I, I, I didn't want to spoil it. I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I think I'm like 20 <laughs> seconds ahead. I didn't want to yeah, spoil yeah, it for I you. I just saw it, yeah. I was, yeah. People were just commenting. You saw me smiling. You noticed, but people were just funny. commenting. They're like, hey, I haven't one noticed Kreider yet. One of our it friends texted us in the, in the group text. He goes, is this just me or has Kreider just been invisible tonight? And then he, he wakes there up. There we go. That. Like. He, he oh, took off. He the, took off the cloak of invisibility. Yes, there we go. He did. That, there we go. I mean, well, he's he's one. Like I, I gotta, you know, I gotta give him credit. I've always dog Kreider because he's just always left me wanting more. This year, he just said year ten. I found it. I never scored thirty, but I'm gonna go ahead and score fifty-two. Yep. Like just incredible. And that That's was a, a breakaway. Too. That was a Kreider goal. breakaway. That he, that he scored. I am I am thoroughly impressed. All right, there you go. All right, the Jake. Rain, we, we needed that one. We needed that one bad. We did. We needed that because we let Pittsburgh back in the game there in the second period. But hey, that's playoff hockey. Jake, we appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some time, especially right in the thick of the playoffs, especially right in the thick of Game One for most of the rest of the NHL. Uh, we appreciate it as always. Chris, Nick, always great talking to you, boys. So hopefully I can join you again before the playoffs. So let's make this a long Rangers run so we have uh, plenty of time to, to chat Rangers playoff hockey. So good luck the rest of the Agreed. night. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I will say, Jake, can, can we get you back on, like, right after the Rangers Cup Parade this year? So so, so <laughs> yes. about, yeah. you, wait about, about wait June 17th. I'm coming 18th. down for it. I'm, <laughs> there we go. I'm coming down. We'll do it. In, we'll do it in person. Oh, so does that mean we get a trip to Jake's saloon? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think there is, there is one in New York, right? I think there's actually one in New York. You guys got everything in New York. So I'm sure there's one. There's a Jake's saloon there somewhere. There's got to be. We'll have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. If not, we'll open one. We'll just figure yeah. one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right.